on today's show, we are getting to know Anne Rolfes. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The link's in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. And Anne is the director of the Louisiana Bucket Brigade, and here is her bio. Anne began her career in Nigeria, collaborating with local communities to address oil companies' destruction of the Niger Delta. She returned to Louisiana in 2000 and collaborated with Women Along Cancer Alley to found the Louisiana Bucket Brigade. Anne was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana, where many people made their fortunes from the oil industry. She's seen the wealth and the poverty created by oil production and seeks to phase out fossil fuels in her lifetime. She has a master's in international development from Tulane and has twice which is two more times than me, testified before Congress. Her work has been recognized by local and national awards, including the Jane Bagley Lehman Award for Public Advocacy and the Robert Wood Johnson Community Health Leader Award. And that might be the longest intro I've ever given anybody. Thank you so much for coming on and letting people get to know you. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. So little background for listeners. I live Georgetown, Delaware. I grew up working in Rehoboth, Delaware. The Louisiana Bucket Brigade is, or I believe you're in Rehoboth 
for like the summer, but there was a newspaper article about you guys renting out a stand in order to advocate for Louisiana issues in the Gulf in Rehoboth. And I'm like, I got to talk to these people because such a smart strategy to get the attention of DC people who vacation here. So all that to say, I'll shut up and um, tell us about the Louisiana Bucket Brigade. Well, I'm glad that you understand the connection because what's funny to me and to my my coworkers is when we're on the boardwalk and we're talking with people who are in Rehoboth, a lot of them ask, well, why are you here? And and it really makes me laugh because to me, it's really obvious, right? We're there because we're in Rehoboth because Joe Biden has a home there, because there are a lot of people from D.C. We're hoping a lot of federal regulators who are in town that we get to talk to. Um, so I actually forget what your question was, but that, that's my, you know, that's, it, it's just so obvious a place that we ought to be. Yeah. And I was telling you, um, before we were recording, um, I think it was two years ago, Brett Kavanaugh was in a 5k that I was in and it, it was one of those things, even the regulators and not so much like members of Congress, members of the Senate, the house, but like even just, I don't know if they're considered just workers, but workers in Washington probably come here. They make a pretty good salary. They might be able to afford that second home and Rehoboth's a great place to be. So it's really smart to try to grab those. I thought really smart to try to grab those connections during the summer and get the attention and like almost like a down news cycle before the elections come up. Yeah. And, and for us, you know, we understand that we're in a Southern state and in many ways we really are a sacrifice zone for this country for oil and gas and chemical production. And now the idea is to build a dozen gas terminals, all for export, mostly to Asia, some to Europe. But as as you can imagine, that would really devastate our coast. And so we've come to Rehoboth not just because, for a couple of reasons, because there is the president here in Rehoboth and because there are people from D.C. here, but also because of the comparison and the contrast with our beach. We have actually a really beautiful coastline. It's quite different, as you can imagine, from Rehoboth. But of course, it's sacred to us, just like your coastline is to you. And and the, the question that we've been asking beachgoers in Rehoboth is, how would you feel if industry and government wanted to come here and put not one, not two, but 12 giant terminals the size of football stadiums? How would you feel? right? Nobody wants that. We don't want it in Rehoboth and we don't want it in Louisiana. Tell me a little more about these terminals. Like, And I'm pretty ignorant to it. Are they literally out there in the ocean drilling? Do they take up beach like front property? Why is it such a big deal? As you might know, uh, Louisiana is sinking into the ocean. It's been interesting for me to be in Delaware and understand that, of course, y'all have challenges as a, as a coastal state. In Louisiana, we're really sinking in large part because of oil and gas development over the years. Hmm. And the plan is actually, if you can possibly fathom an area that is flooding, I mean, I know that y'all see that on the news and the relentless hurricanes that we have. The plan is actually to put a dozen of these terminals on our beach or slightly inland, which as, which would erode the, the land. And also it carves up the land and creates a, something of a funnel effect so that when we do have floods or storms, it's just a chute for a waterway. 
and and really imperil some of our our bigger cities in the state. For example, New Orleans is would be further threatened uh, by this plan, as is a town in the west called Lake Charles, which is on the border of Texas. Um, so it's so they're they're export terminals. They're on or near our coast. There's nothing about it that helps the U.S. There's nothing about it that helps local communities. It is all so these companies can get a higher price for their gas. There, it's and it's not gasoline. It's gas that you use for for energy in your home. So it's all it's sometimes called natural gas. Okay. You know, I call it methane gas, um, and it's all for export, right? So. The problem, it, there's so many problems, but one of the problems is that it raises everybody's energy prices. Because if you think about these guys who run these companies, they don't want the market limited to the U.S. because that's a finite market. No, they want to be able to ship their product to Europe, to Asia, to Brazil, anywhere, so that they can send it to the highest bidder. And so that's what's at stake here, is that they're going to carve up our coast, our beaches, further imperil us also that they can sell their product for more money. So, and this might be a really stupid question, but when you're saying like methane gases, natural gases, I'm yeah. picturing like huge propane tanks for some yeah. reason, right? Yeah, that's right. No, it's not, it's not, it's not stupid at all. I mean, it's, it's a, it's something that people don't know about. How in the world would you even know about this? Right. And even in Louisiana where we're ground zero for this terrible idea, people have no idea about it. So what happens is that they they get the gas, it's in gas form, they freeze it, turn it into liquid, and then send it overseas. So you're absolutely right when you imagine a sort of tank, right? They put it on big tankers, they ship it abroad. That's that's the the, the method that they have for, yeah. for changing its form. So then the transportation hubs, it's it, is it going to be a bunch of docks where these huge cargo ships so we'll see them every once in a while off of our beach yeah. in lewis because they go up the delaware bay where exactly. okay so it's the same type of just tractor trailer what, what how how do i not know the word that goes on the back of a tractor trailer <laughs> it, well no no that's not the same thing i know what you're talking about yeah the, these tankers are quite different and in fact you know they're 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 planning to build a couple of them also north of of Delaware, and I know that people who are working in Pennsylvania in Gibbstown uh, are concerned about the, the the fact that Rehoboth Beach itself would be imperiled by this traffic, uh, because as you can imagine, it's volatile. And what it looks like is an enormous tanker. It's a huge, huge ship. And so, in Louisiana, we already have a couple of them. And you stand on the beach, and you see it's quite a visual. You just see an enormous tanker leaving port and what you're seeing when you see that is you know our energy being shipped abroad and and it again it drives everybody's price up if you think that oh well in china they'll pay a lot more it's just you know it's a state-sponsored economy they don't have the confines that that we might have in a free enterprise system they can be the highest bidder and so what happens china pays more and when you get your energy bill every month, your energy bill is higher. There's a direct correlation. Is there, so now I'm thinking of with it being frozen and condensing, yeah. uh, how does it get to these ports? Are there pipes that run? Do, like, do they drill somewhere else in a different state, fill up trucks, 
bring them into containers, load them onto containers and then ship them? Or is it like an infrastructure of pipes that actually flow to these hubs? It's an infrastructure of pipes. So in in the case of Louisiana, uh, I mean, I'm going to back up here because I think it's good to understand the big picture. And And it's again, it's true for the Northeast also because there was so much fracking in Pennsylvania. So you have all this fracked gas and they need customers, right? They've had more gas than they know what to do with. Again, it's not gasoline, but it's it's gas that you use to heat your home or to cook. And the reason that this is an issue now uh, dates back to the Obama administration when Congress lifted the oil export ban. It used to be that we couldn't in our country export fossil fuels. Actually, China has this same law because they feel like, and we used to feel like, oh, it's a matter of national security. We need to keep our natural resources. We need to keep our energy resources here and not, you know, not let them be sold abroad. So, but, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't a question about could we sell our oil to China? Could we sell our gas, you know, to Taiwan? That wasn't that wasn't any kind of question. But when Congress lifted the oil export ban and the, and the gas export ban and when Obama didn't veto it, all hell broke loose, right? Mm. Because now you have these fields where where frackers can go and get the gas and they have an unlimited market all over the world. They can go to the highest bidder. And so what's happened in Louisiana is that we're getting a lot of fracked gas from North Louisiana and then also from Texas. And so, as you said, they pipe it to Louisiana. They pipe it through a hub. And I'm not an engineer, so I can't describe it in detail. Uh, but they pipe it through a hub, and then once it gets to the what they call the liquefied natural gas terminal, they will freeze it, liquefy it, get it onto a ship, and and send it abroad. So it sounds it's funny because at first I thought your concern was more like pollution driven, but it also sounds like uh, you're kind of focused on like the economical impact of why are we giving our stuff away? And we ran into uh, this with COVID, right? Like chips for cars. We're like, Hey, how come we don't make them here? PPE. We're like, Hey, how come we don't make masks here? And then you're like medications. How can we don't make them here? And all of a sudden, I remember there was this like six month span where it was like, wait, how much stuff do we not make here that we can't get now because of COVID? And it's kind of a little bit of the reverse of, well, we have all this. Why would we allow Exactly. To leave, especially with inflation going up right now, inflation going up and gas prices. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say gas price because it wouldn't. I don't know if it would impact gas prices. But we talk about energy. energy Yeah, it can be it can be confusing. But if you think about I mean, if you think about this situation and they are causing the price of energy to go up, that impacts the price of absolutely everything. Right. If you think about a warehouse where you have to store certain things and so it has to be cooled to a certain temperature. Well, bam, the price of your product has just gone up. And, and it, you know, it, it is absolutely an inflationary pressure. And to bring it back to Rehoboth, it's why we're in Rehoboth this summer, to make the point to federal officials and to President Biden. You know, this is a, a terrible policy, this idea to build all of these gas export terminals. And if you would stop it, it would improve things at home, right? It would certainly reduce inflationary pressures. It would give us more energy security. And it would at least begin to address the climate crisis. The it's, I guess what I what I started thinking about is, I do personally, 
I feel yes. like I do believe in a free market. And it's weird. I've been having, maybe speaking with some political people lately, I've been having like this, how do I identify crisis? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a, like in our country, it's like, are you a Republican? Are you Democrat? And I, I'm yeah. a registered independent because I like to figure stuff out. And yeah. as you're talking to me, I'm like, yeah, dude, I want energy to be here. I want prices cheaper. But then I'm like, don't I believe that businesses should be able to profit? But then I go to like corporate yeah. greed and all of a sudden I'm conflicted because I'm like, how much is too much? And do you need 3 billion? Why isn't 1 billion good enough? And then you actually help our country to be more self-sustaining. So I guess all that to get into like, how come aside from the inflation stuff, is there any other like reason why they can't just sell it anywhere they want? Well, I think, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting conversation, right? And I think, you know, I think there, there are a few ways that I would take it. One is, is it really a free market when, when some of the buyers are, I mean, I get from one perspective, it is when some of the buyers are state owned economies. And so there's no, it's, it's a false competition, right? Mm -hmm. Because they can always just take money from their central economy and flood it and, and pay as much, you know, as pay as much as they want or as much as they need. Drive so there's the that. Price. But another, another reason that doesn't have too much to do with the economy is the fact that when we further tie ourselves into fossil fuels, we are really, you know, just burrowing deeper into the, into the snake pit uh, that's controlled by Putin. Right. I mean, look, look at the power that he has right now over Europe because of gas, because of Europe's dependence on gas. Now, the gas industry will say, oh, yeah, we've got to go be the savior and we've got to go get gas to Europe now that Putin is cutting it off. Right. Um, I mean, two things with that. One is we can't get it to them in time. Right. We don't have the capacity to do that. It's, it would take years to get all this to them. But the other thing is, well, does it really make sense to play into his hands? You know, if, if he has a product, isn't the better solution to just not need that product at all, right? Uh, to say, we're going to pivot to wind and to solar and to renewables and to all sorts of efficiency me methods. Isn't that a much better thing than to say, oh, yeah, Putin, we're going to play your game. We're going to make more of it. No, we're going to make more. I mean, that's that's a terrible idea. So to circle back to your idea of the free market, I mean, there are... There are many points of discussion on this. One is the free market, uh, you know, competition. But then the other, other are some geopolitical considerations. And I think it's, it's just not smart to stay invested in a fuel uh, that has such dire ramifications globally. Yeah, that's something I'm not super educated on either because I thought fracking had a bad rep. I understand, like, I guess there can be leaks, but I really don't understand. And maybe you do. And I, yeah. I, I know you're not like, you've already said you're not an engineer. You understand yeah. how like, these things work. But like, why, why is fracking bad? I feel like that's clean. Doesn't it burn clean? I always thought natural gas was like one of the cleaner alternatives. Yeah. Well, very good. So, so, so note that, that, that you call it natural gas, that I have to tell you what, that I don't call it natural gas. It's one of the great, great marketing achievements of the fossil fuel industry. Hmm. Sure, it comes from the ground, right? Cyanide comes from the ground. If I said, I'm going to give you some natural cyanide, would that make you feel better? 
would it make my AC bill cheaper? No, no I'm, I'm talking kidding. about cyanide. Like the, yeah, <laughs> I know. Poison, I was just right? kidding. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. No, I hear no, cyanide, and so, I'm like, so I don't want that in so my there's vents. There's nothing, you know. They're saying natural to 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 make you believe that in some way it's it's some it's some something that's actually good for us, right? Okay. It's a fossil fuel. It releases methane, which warms our climate. It releases carbon, which warms our climate. You know, they've been they've the the gas industry has been touting this idea that it's clean for 30 years. Sure, maybe it's cleaner than coal, and I think that's up for debate if you look at the whole life cycle of gas, right? But at this point, we have another option, right? We have wind power, we have solar power, we have a, a whole generation of energy efficient uh, technology, and that's what we need to be pursuing. We, we certainly don't need to pursue gas in general and especially not when we're talking about building a dozen new, huge, giant infrastructure uh, investments in Louisiana that would lock us into, what, 30 additional years of this? Um, you know, and as you and I talk right now, you know, there's a, the, climate, the planet is melting, right? Europe is in a heat wave. Here in the U.S., right, from New York to, to Phoenix, people are melting. I mean, we don't need this stuff. It's hot. We don't need it. We need to transition. So you're saying it's adding, it adds to the global. See, I guess I don't think of the natural gas or the stuff that comes from fracking. I thought that was the no. best alternative that was like non-nuclear. Mm -mm. I always hear like no. nuclear is the cleanest. And if we can figure out, if we can get past the, hey, if it, if nuclear goes to shit and ruins the environment, it's actually our best option for renewable, reusable, right. clean energy. And then after that, you go to solar and you go to wind, but it's hard to like have the consistency, I understand from it, and like to get yeah. the power, I guess like the density of energy that comes from fracking and coal and burning. That's what right. I've always well, thought. Well, I mean, it's a couple of things. You know, I think if there's any reason that I'm speaking with you, it is to completely crush, destroy, <laughs> put the biggest boot I have on this idea that gas is clean. It is not. And, and probably a lot of your listeners also believe that it is not, that has been their big propaganda for the last, you know, quarter of a century that it's clean. It is not clean. It is dirty. And, and, you know, when you, when you get it out of the ground, it, it has vapors, it releases, it warms the atmosphere from the moment you get it out of the ground to the moment you, you all along the way, when you pipe it, when you use it, all along the way. And then on the other side, you know, talking about the shortcomings of renewable energy, yeah, battery storage, for example, is a real challenge. And we, you know, we figure that out by continuing to invest in it, putting dollars in, understanding what technologies could be developed. And this is where I pivot back to the administration. And, and to, and to you know, my own state government, which is really myopic, um, because let's look at the subsidies that we give to the oil and gas industry, right? They're tremendous. And at some point, there is, it is a zero-sum game, right, where, well, you have $5. Are you going to give four of those dollars to the oil and gas industry and $1 to renewables? Because if we keep doing that, right, oil and gas is always going to be king, uh, so I think it's, it is important to talk about them together. And then when you discuss them to talk about 
our investment and support and commitment to, 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 to renewables. Because at this point in our nation's development, we're still very much stuck on propping up fossil fuels. And, and it does hinder the development of other things. I, man, I, I, don't, I don't want my car to have a battery. I just trust an engine. Like I, I don't. Your car does have a battery. Yeah, no, right. But like, I don't want that to be the only thing. I don't want to. I don't know why. Like, I don't want to cut my grass with my riding mower and then like go to do my neighbors and be like, I gotta wait for an hour to charge my battery, you know? And like, and yeah, but not... they're longer. They're 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 yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they're they're longer than that. I mean, I hear you. Nobody wants to hang out on the side of the road, but I think, yeah, that, that, just... that's not the. It's not that captive anymore. I think that may be yeah. how it was, but it's not that way anymore. Yeah. And I guess that's why I'm saying it. It's because like I do this with like social media, any new trend, like I find myself being a boomer where I'm like resistant to change because yeah. I'm used to something. And my initial gut reaction yeah. is to be like, nope, I like what I got. I know how to use it. I'm good to go. And yeah, I, that's yeah. part You're of what they call a laggard. I'm that way too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it, it's a weird place to be in because I'm trying to wrap my head around. So then why like the battery energy has to come from somewhere. So aren't the like plants that when I plug my electric, whatever into a socket, aren't they being run off of coal or natural it gas? Depends. No, that's always been, that, that is, that's a good question. And, and we're getting a little bit out of my expertise, but gotcha. I always wonder the same thing. But when we talk about, you know, if we, say you have an electric car and you plug it into the house, it's, that is still better because it's not a combustion engine, right? A combustion engine is very dirty, but now I, I shouldn't say very much more on the subject because gotcha. I'm out of my depth, but I, but I know that, that bit is that the combustion engine is a problem. Look at the end, at the end of the day, when you know that you can drive hundreds of miles and not pay for gasoline, you'll make the switch, right? All of us yeah. will. Uh, Dude, so you'll, I, you'll come around when it's, you know, when it's, when you wouldn't have to be breaking any ground. Yeah. $5 a gallon. There's a teacher I work with who, um, got a Tesla right before the war in Ukraine. And, um, not that he laughs at us often about the gas prices, but he's like, yeah, I don't really notice it on my electric bill at home. <laughs> wow. And it's like, yeah, I just filled up $80 a week for my Jeep and I go 350 miles a week basically. And I'm a D I like, I'm a mellow driver. You know what I'm saying? And it's, wow, yeah. it's 80 bucks a week. And when you start scaling that out, the cost and what that takes away from my ability to invest in my retirement plan, like basically my gas yes. price doubled. So I went from budgeting a buck 50 to like three fifty, and I'm like, okay, so now I like, I was forced with the choice of like, do I kind of start skimping on my kids? Five twenty nine. Should I like scale back $10 in this? Should I get $20 less in that? Should I go out to eat less? Because yeah. I don't want to tip and I don't want to pay $8 for a glass of wine when I can get a bottle for 12 and yeah. it's cheaper. And like that's yeah. where I start thinking about the ramifications of natural gas and energy is like, if those prices are going to go up, it takes away from all these other industries and all these other Absolutely. ways to spend because it drains you. It drains middle Absolutely. class. Absolutely, and you know one of the one of the groups that's against this export gas is a is a lobbying association called the Industrial Manufacturers of America, and they're an unlikely ally 
with us on this, but they are with us because they, so, so they are, you know, just that, in, you know, industrial manufacturers of America, and they're concerned about the energy that those manufacturers need. And they can see the prices going up and they don't like it because it costs them money. So it's not, you know, it's, you might predict that I would be against it. I run an environmental group, but people who are looking at it through a hard dollars and cents lens, you know, who are industry guys also don't like it. They realize it, it, it makes the prices go up for everybody. I, it, it's kind of a weird pivot, but the fact that you said environmental group, I'm curious about the bucket brigade thing. Like how did yeah, that so name the, yeah. happen? So the, so the bucket is an easy to use sam air sampling device huh. and it, it's modeled on a more expensive version called a SUMA canister that the environmental protection agency uses. So theirs is a metal device and ours is a, is a bucket that we pull and we pull the air into a non-reactive plastic bag and then, you know, train, depending on what people are, are facing, train people who live next to some sort of pollution source to take air samples. They document the problems that they live with. It's a, it's a much more powerful situation for them to be in than, you know, if they don't have any data or, you know, if they're just hoping that maybe the company will care or that one of the regulators in Louisiana will care, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So people can take matters into their own hands. Okay. And like, did you literally start that? Like you were like, Hey, I, figured I didn't, out I didn't invent the bucket. No, that, that was developed in California by actually the legal team that's profiled in Aaron Brockovich, the movie, you know, from kind of a long time yeah. ago. Um, but the reason that they developed it is because they had clients who they would visit, who had, who had experienced some sort of exposure, and they had no way to document the exposure. And so they looked at all the possibilities and saw this, you know, one method that the EPA used and then made a much uh, simpler and less expensive version of it. And I mean, it's good because it, we, don't, we don't use it in every community that we work in because it may not be quite the right tool. But in a lot of cases, it, it's really wonderful because it, it totally changes the dynamic dynamic gotcha um the internet in louisiana the, the state government doesn't care too much about communities and uh you know the, the the companies don't either yeah well i think the company's number one profit and then number two i think would be liability although i'm not a company or corporate guy myself yeah we we ran into this with chicken plants down here and groundwater issues um, yeah. with them releasing whenever they clean the factories and like, what do you do when you clean out a machine? And then people who lived within like the same aquifer, not being able to drink their water and yeah. them like being like, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Your water sucks. Here's a couple cases. We'll drop off two or three, uh, 24 packs, you know, every week for you have at oh, it. That's horrible. And yeah. And they, I believe it was a federal lawsuit that they wound up winning, but it's, it is one of those things where, it seems to be a very common and sad story in America where like these corporations, um, these corporations like get away with, I don't know, yeah. like the, the, yes. the government taking their side versus taking the people that they're supposed to represent. Exactly. And people are, you know, if you don't, if you're not in this field, you think, well, don't we have agencies that handle that? And you know, yeah, they're supposed to handle it, but they, they're not handling it. Gotcha. Have you gotten any traction 
So in Rehoboth, what's the response been like? Have you run into anybody who, have you made any leeway, run into any figures? Well, we have not found Joe Biden yet, but it's <laughs> only July. Uh, I mean, you know, we've had, at this point, we've had uh, over 500 conversations with people. And the response is, you know, I mean, you can imagine it's sort of, it feels like it's coming from nowhere for people. Like, what are these people from Louisiana doing? But as soon as we get into a conversation and explain how much we have in common, right? We go crabbing, you know, we love our beach. We have a coast. I think some people don't even realize that Louisiana has a coast. <laughs> people are really receptive and, and understand, you know, and, and, and say, oh yeah, we would never want our beach to be destroyed. And we don't want yours to be destroyed either. And so we have people, we were asking people to write a letter to Joe Biden and to the, to the um, administrators with the Federal, Emerg Fed Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which is called FERC, and people are doing it. And um, so it's, it's been a great response. You know, we, uh, you know, when you reach out person to person, usually people are receptive. And so I'm trying to go back to these terminals yeah. And so aside from just the natural gas aspect and what you were talking about with climate change, like the terminals, are you worried about leakage or is it really just like site pollution that's oh, the main issue? Everything. I mean, imagine, you know, yes, accidents. You know, one of them that's already built has had terrible operations in its first six months of of performance. Um, you know, they've released, you know, just in the very beginning, they re released a huge cloud of, you know, of essentially of gas that, hello, there you go. It's, it's bad for people to breathe. It warms the planet. It's bad in every way. So, you know, th there's the pollution. And then if you can imagine what would be bad about plopping a football stadium on a beach, a lot of things, it would kill everything. I couldn't go there anymore. Oh, when there is a storm it would divert water to other places and make other places flood more, right? So just sit and make a list and that's what we're worried about. Gotcha. And when people are writing these letters to FERC, yes. is there like a standard template or are there talking points or they're basically just what you're saying is worried about runoff, worried about the pollution, worried about destroying a habitat. What should Yeah, worried be? about worried about, you know, the contributions to storms and for all of us. I mean, what when when we do stupid things in Louisiana, you know, it means that storms are worse than they travel up the East Coast worse and you know, you might even end up getting nailed by a hurricane that hit us. So, we're we're really we're really aware of the fact that poor planning and bad ideas in Louisiana have an impact everywhere, including Rehoboth, uh, which is one of the reasons why we came. Gotcha. I, uh, man, it's, um, I know you're a little crunch for time, so I, I tend to like think out loud, um, which yes. tends to make me ramble. So I apologize for that. Yes, um, but um, I guess we'll, then let's wrap up with yes. this thought. Okay. What, why do people tell you you're wrong? So like if you're arguing with somebody, one of the good things you want to do is like consider how could I be wrong, right? Of course, so of course. Yeah. how come like jobs, well, the jobs that this will create yeah. is my immediate first thing or, you know, yeah. like a, maybe I can get a middle class of like engineer jobs in a That's poorer really place. That, yeah. People, the, the oil industry and the gas industry say a lot of things that aren't true. They say, for example, oh, it'll, 
If we don't build these, it'll raise your gas prices. It's like, this has nothing to do with gasoline, so stop lying. Okay, so there's that. But I think what you just said is the best point, is jobs, right? Somebody's going to get a job here. Sure, they're not hiring as many people as they probably should. A lot of it is automated. Uh, there are construction jobs that will disappear. But nonetheless, even with all those, those problems, uh, there are jobs. And here's my answer. to this. So that is the best argument. Right. Here's my answer to that. The state of Louisiana gives away hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks to lure these companies to our state. And what might we do in our state if we prioritize other kinds of businesses, right? Small businesses where most people actually end up working or renewable energy. If, if the state of Louisiana would put the passion and determination into other kinds of, of businesses and other kinds of, of job opportunities, we could employ a lot of people, same as these other industries. It's just that our state, we're a one-note wonder on oil and gas. Yeah, and is that just because it's that abundant down there? <laughs> like, it's I'm so ignorant to it. It's how it's been. Yeah, there's a lot of gas in Texas. There's some in North Louisiana. It's just a fail. It's Look, it's a total failure of leadership. And we're not a very well-educated state, right? I mean, look at our statistics, right? We're at the bottom of everything. Gee, if the oil industry and the gas industry is so great, why are we so poor? Mm. And so if you have a poorly educated state, unfortunately, some of those people are going to end up running it, right? And so what do they, they just go back to Jim Bob, who had the oil industry 50 years ago. Well, if it was good enough 50 years ago, let's keep doing it. It's like, no, there are other things. Let's, let's change. Let's grow. Let's look around and, and pursue some opportunities. Okay. And then this will be the final thing um, out of respect. So then your ultimate goal would be to? Transition from fossil fuels, transition from gas, from oil, uh, stop all these chemical plants from getting built and, and have a vibrant economy based on clean, healthy jobs that, you know, can create a future for everybody. So a total shift in this, it, yes. uh, just the the funding and the tax breaks and definitely none of this like infrastructure building. You're like, it just Absolutely. needs to stop. And especially the, the export part. Go outside. You don't don't listen to me and, and tell me if it needs to stop. Go outside and tell me how hot it is right now. Obviously, it needs to stop, right? So it's a climate. It, it really does sound like it's more of a, an. I didn't realize this. Like a climate issue with you that you're kind of worried about. The climate and economics issue. I mean, everybody's struggling right now, right? It, it's making everybody's energy bills go up. Mine's huge. I'm sure yours is huge. So it's it's on so many levels. Gotcha. Okay, and well, this will be on record my shortest pod ever, but that's kind of <laughs> nice and it's kind of informative. I'm uh, sorry we didn't have more time, but I really Me thank too. you for the time that you were able to spare. Um, yeah, anybody, anybody who wants to get a hold of you or the website, we'll put all that information in the description of the podcast. Right, that sounds great. And um, thank you. Good luck advocating. I appreciate your passion. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Good night. All right. Bye. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. 
For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.